0: Good evening, afternoon, wherever you are. It may be morning, it may be afternoon, it may be evening. In Tyler, Texas, it is 3 p.m. Central Time, and uh, weather is nice for now, but storms are coming, and that's kind of the way it is every day, isn't it? Uh, This is Bill Allen coming to you from the West Irwin Church of Christ right here in downtown Tyler, Texas. Glad that you're joining us along as we study and read through the Bible this year in 2022. We are well on our way. Uh, We have already gone through the times of the patriarchs in Genesis, the time of Moses and the law uh, in Exodus, and the rest of the Pentateuch, those first five books of the Bible looked at joshua and his campaigns to take the promised land the times of the judges as difficult a reading as that is and uh, we saw israel clamoring for a king so they could be like all the other nations and samuel the last of the judges uh, even though he didn't want to even though he knew it displeased god still god told him it's not you they've rejected as their leader but it's me so you go ahead and give them what they want but warn them And so God provided a great man to lead them, uh, Saul, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. And at the time, he stood head and shoulders above everyone else, not just physically, uh, but also, it seems, uh, emotionally. He was very humble as he began, but it didn't take long for that power to corrupt him. And sure enough, Saul takes uh, charge himself rather than following the will of God. And he is ultimately rejected by God as king. That great passage, we see some of those great words in 1 Samuel 13 and 1 Samuel 15 where God says to obey is better. Uh, You can't substitute obedience with anything else. And unfortunately, Saul was disobedient and he was rejected. And God said, I found a man after my own heart to be the king and that of course was that young shepherd boy David who would not be king for uh, many years but ultimately was at the death of King Saul. You as you were reading you might have been like my dear sweet wonderful wife Joyce a close uh, reader. She asked about well who, who really killed Saul because it says the Philistines killed him it says he committed suicide it says there was an Amalekite soldier who told David that he killed him and uh, brought his crown to him and all of that and um, and uh, also it says that God uh, punished Saul by the taking of his life so there's a great article if you look on my Facebook page skim down a little bit from this video you'll see a great link to apologetics press in an article that talks about that it asks the specific question, who killed King Saul? We had Kyle Butt of Apologetics Press in a Christian Evidences seminar last October defending the truth. And it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. And so I heartily recommend you uh, click on that link and read that very fine article. Uh, David at this time is very popular. Saul has died along with his son, Jonathan. And David and the people mourn for them, and then David takes over, ultimately gaining full control as king. And as David does that, he's very popular, very popular. He's been very successful in battle. He comes to God again with great humility as king and seriously desires to serve uh, the Lord. We see that throughout his life, and surely God knew his heart was bent on trying to please god but that doesn't mean that david was perfect in fact he was far from it even though he was so popular with the people with his uh, his soldiers he uh some of the reading we've listed we've looked at this week talks about all the men who were his mighty warriors and the three that were especially powerful and his commander and all of those and there were There were three who, uh, once when Bethlehem, uh, David's hometown, was uh, being taken over by the Philistines, David longed for the water from the well at the gate at Bethlehem, and three of his brave soldiers risked their lives and went and got him some water from that well and brought it to him, fought through the Philistines and got back and uh, david poured it out before the lord as a sacrifice he said i i can't bear to drink this when my my loyal faithful men risk their lives simply for my selfish desire again very much the heart after uh god and after uh god's will but again that doesn't mean that he was perfect and in second samuel chapters 11 and 12 we read perhaps of david's greatest fall Um, And it's it's a very uh, disturbing reading It's difficult to imagine that this man described Also in the New Testament As the Apostle Paul preaches uh, To a bunch of Jews at a synagogue On his first mission journey Again describing David as the man after God's own heart As he was uh, selected to be king Still David was not sinless He had um he was prone to temptation and sin just like we all are and in second samuel 11 we read about this um this horrible horrible uh thing that david did in the spring at the time when kings go off to war david sent joab his commander out with the king's men and the whole israelite army you know, in other places, the men say to King David, no, we don't want you to come out to battle with us. You're too valuable. We don't, we don't want anything to happen to you. So I, I'm not sure that we should fault David here. There were other times when he did go. But what we do know is that he left himself open for temptation. And so the story goes on in 2 Samuel 11 That David gets up from his bed And he's walking around on the rooftop That not unusual of the palace Obviously the king would want to be able to look over His whole capital city from his palace And that's what he does And when he does he sees a woman bathing on her rooftop And it's it's Bathsheba And so he asks his men, who is that? Well, that's Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And Uriah the Hittite is listed as one of David's mighty men, a very strong warrior and soldier, terribly loyal to his king, to King David. Well, David is king, and he wants this woman. And because he's king, he calls for her to come to him, and she does. And uh, he sleeps with her. I I think this is uh, uh, a while back we had the Me Too movement, the hashtag Me Too movement, where uh, women were uh, uh, helped, tremendously helped, because of those men who were in power and took advantage of them, and David was one of those at this time. Even though he had a humble heart after God and his will, at this moment he succumbed to the temptation and proudly used his power and his authority and had Bathsheba brought to him, could she have said no? Well, of course she could have. It likely would have cost her her life. But but he commits adultery with Bathsheba and then sure enough Bathsheba sends him word, I am pregnant. And so now David is in a quandary. What does he do? Does he take responsibility for his actions and confess? Well, he's not ready. He's not there yet. He'll get there. But he's not there yet and so he sends a letter to joab the commander and he says okay i want you to send uriah back to me and so uriah comes back to the king in jerusalem and um and he tells him how's the battle going oh it's going great your men are suffering at times but we're we're uh, faithful soldiers And so David tells him, okay, well, he has dinner with him, and then he sends him home and says, go and sleep with your wife, and you can return tomorrow, and Uriah won't do it. He's not only loyal to King David, he's loyal to his fellow soldiers. And so the next morning, David is told, Uriah never went home. He slept on your front porch. And so David asks him, why did you do that? And Uriah is, I'm sure he's a little bit wondering what is going on. And he tells David, look, your men are in battle. That's that's where I should be. How can I sleep with my wife when they are all away uh, from their families? I I won't do it. So David says, well, okay, stay another night. So he does, and David again tries to party with him, gives him this great feast, eats at the king's table, uh, tries to get him drunk, and then tells him, go home and sleep with your wife. And sure enough, same thing, goes out, and he refuses to go home stays there outside of the front door of the palace. And so David realizes, well, this plan A isn't gonna work, so let's go to plan B. So he takes a sealed letter, he writes a sealed letter, gives it to Uriah and tells him, I want you to give this to the commander, to Joab. Um, and the letter says, uh, put Uriah at the front lines where the battle is the thickest. And when things get really, really bad, then have everyone except him Pull back basically david is giving uriah a, a death sentence and so joab sees the command i'm sure he questioned it as well uh, but david is the king and so jo- joab obeys and um and uriah is put at the front of the lines and sure enough he is killed in battle and so joab sends someone back to the king with the report of how things are going and the man goes, and David says, how are things on the battlefield? And he says, well, we've, uh, we've taken a lot of hits, um, and many many people have died. Many great soldiers have died, and Uriah the Hittite, uh, your servant, has also died. And David, in a very cold, cold remark in, in 2 Samuel 11, says, well, tell Joab not to be upset. You know, people die in war. People die in battle. That's basically what he says, and uh, and so he says, don't, don't tell Joab not to not to worry. It's unbelievable, unbelievable. And so after the time of mourning for her husband, Bathsheba, uh, mourns for Uriah, and then David takes her to be his wife, and um, and he thinks everything's fine because now no one knows supposedly. But then in chapter 12, God sends Nathan the prophet. I I don't know what it is about the preachers. We always get the worst jobs. But Nathan has one here, and he is called upon to go and confront King David. And he does it in a very beautiful and striking way in 2 Samuel 12. He tells them a parable, just like Jesus told parables. He tells them a story. He says there were two men. They were neighbors. One was very, very wealthy, had all kinds of livestock and, and riches, and his neighbor was very, very poor. And he didn't have all that livestock. He had one little small lamb. And the lamb was really a part of the family. In fact, uh, Nathan says he he ate at, at, at their table. He He was truly a part of the family, truly a family pet. Well as Nathan continues the story uh, he tells David well some unexpected company came to the rich man's uh, house and the rich man needed to uh, kill an animal so that they could have something to eat and instead of taking one of his many uh, sheep or cows he took this neighbor's lamb that was a part of his family and killed it so that he could serve his dinner guests well of course David is furious and he says well that man should be killed and then in Second Samuel 12 verse 7 Nathan said to David you are that man you are that man and he tells him the word from the Lord which said I I took you from nobody I took you you were nothing you were a shepherd boy the youngest in your family and yet I made you king and powerful and And now you have disobeyed me Now you have disobeyed me Well, unlike King Saul Who tried to explain away uh, his guilt David truly repents And as he repents He cries out in his heart uh, to God And uh, we read about that in Psalm 51 It's an incredible psalm Where David repents And repents very publicly And writes this psalm Psalm 51, and you're familiar with much of it. Verse 1, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, and you only, have I sinned, and done what is evil in your sight. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Verse 10, create in me a pure heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it, verse 16. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burn offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. David says a time is coming when those offerings will be given, but that's not today. David says the only thing I have to give you is a broken and contrite heart. I give you my repentance. I give you my desire for your forgiveness i give you my confession against you and you only have i sinned and done what is evil in your sight david blames no one but himself and he calls on god and asks him to forgive him create in me a clean heart a pure heart and renew a right steadfast spirit within me such wonderful songs from taken from this Psalm, psalm 51 Well, when we look at Psalm 32, uh, David announces that it's blessed, a person is blessed who receives forgiveness from the Lord. And it seems like Psalm 51 is that psalm of repentance, asking for God's forgiveness. And Psalm 32 is that psalm that David acknowledges God's forgiveness has been given but as we go back to 2 Samuel 11 and 12, we realize that um, there's still a price to be paid. God tells Nathan to tell David, well, your sins are forgiven, but there's a price and the price will be the life of your son that is in Bathsheba's womb. And sure enough, the son is born and is, and is struck ill and david prays and fasts and is miserable for the child so much so that his attendants and his servants are afraid for him and then sure enough the child dies and now they're afraid to tell him but he sees them talking and he knows what's likely happened and he asks them has the child died and they're afraid if he had done this 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 much mourning and fasting uh, while the child was still alive what's he going to do when the child is dead and david immediately gets up he washes he cleans himself and he takes off the clothes of mourning and they they don't understand it they don't understand it but david tells them look while the child was still living i thought perhaps there might be a chance that god would be so merciful that he would let the child live now that that's done i know that that's not going to happen the child cannot come back to me but i one day will go to him. Great statement of life after death. Great statement of resurrection as we celebrate Easter this weekend. A great statement of trust in the Lord that even this tiny baby, uh, that baby's soul, that little boy's soul is forever with the Lord. And David says, one day I will join him. Join him in the grave. Yes, he could be speaking of that. Join him for eternity. I think he also has that in mind as well Uh, afterwards uh, david goes to bathsheba again and she bears another son and this son's name is solomon and in that god has given david an incredible blessing because um, when he does that god brings about his forgiveness David verse 24 of 2 Samuel 12 Then David comforted his wife Bathsheba She gave birth to a son And they named him Solomon The Lord loved him And because the Lord loved him He sent word through Nathan the prophet To name him Jedidiah Which means loved by the Lord You know we fall into horrible terrible sins sometimes But just like with David Um God doesn't hold grudges. We, we have trouble with that, but God forgives. And when he forgives, he forgives completely. And even though David and Bathsheba had their relationship brought about because of adultery and even murder and deception, still God forgave because David truly, genuinely repented. And when he did, God forgave. And now we have this son, Solomon, from this union and God blessed him and God loved him. And this is the son that is the next in line for the throne. David had other sons, one of them he named Nathan, which is interesting because in Luke's genealogy, which is likely the genealogy of the mother of Jesus, Mary, uh, she is descended also from King David, but not through Solomon, through his son, Nathan. This one is Solomon, and he is the son of David and Bathsheba. And it is through Solomon that uh, we read in the New Testament, uh, Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, descends from King David, from his son Solomon, all the way down uh, to Jesus of Nazareth. And it's interesting that in Matthew's genealogy, which seems to be tied to Joseph, Um, Matthew's genealogy uh, mentions Bathsheba, but not by name. She's included as one of those five women, all have a story, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, that are found in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew 1. But with Solomon and Bathsheba, the writer just can't bring himself to even mention Bathsheba's name. Um, He just says David gave uh, birth to Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. So it's still there. The story is still there. David can't ever get away from it. Uh, Even a thousand years later, when the genealogy of Jesus is written, it is still remembered that David and Bathsheba had this son Solomon, and Bathsheba had been Uriah's wife. But David abused his power, took advantage of her, had her husband killed, and then married her and tried to deceive everyone. But ultimately, when he knew, God knew. He repented, and God forgave. Whatever you're going through today, uh, pray to God, Psalm 51. Pray that same prayer. Ask for God's forgiveness. Uh, Plead with him. Confess that it's against God that you've sinned. And seek his forgiveness. Ask him not to take his Holy Spirit from you. Ask him to create in you a clean, pure heart. Ask him to forgive your transgressions and your sins. And you know what? Through Jesus Christ and his blood, the descendant of David and Bathsheba and Solomon, he will. He will. On Thursday, we're going to look at another very difficult time in the life of King David, and that's when another of his sons, Absalom, tries to take over as king while his father is still alive and does so in a very sinful, cruel, heartless, proud, selfish way. Uh, A difficult time indeed that will bring heartbreak once again to King David, and yet God sees him through. And he will see you through the difficulties that you're facing today as well. God bless you, and I'll see you Thursday.